Hello, listeners. It's me, the retrosexual Big Valboski. No, it's actually it's 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 Kobe. Sorry. Hey, everybody. It's it's Kobe from one half of Marking Out the Days here with Dave Rosenbluth. As always, what's going on, Dave? We're here with Marking Out the Days, a special episode for Valentine's Day. If you're ready. Uh, I'm ready. Are, are, uh, the question is, are you ready, Big Kobowski? Because uh, I'm, uh, that, I'm that, ready that, to explode. <laughs> I'm gonna do the whole episode like this. Hopefully, that won't be a problem. Uh, you know what? <laughs> well, considering last week I ran the gamut between uh, Pat Patterson and uh, who else? Who else did I uh, imitate? Maybe, maybe I'll be Pat Patterson as you know, trying to chase after the Big Kobowski all throughout the episode. Hey, Mister Mister Penis Guy. Yes, that's you. Oh, God. Give me, give me, take it, take it, take the towel off. Let me see what you, what you got there. You got the big, oops. Yeah, you got the, you got the big fleshy cigarette. Let me, let me take a puff (laughs) on the cigarettes. You know, you've got to shave the hair on the ball. You know. Oh well, we're getting started off hot and heavy on this uh, hot and heavy episode (laughs) of marking out the days, February fourteenth, Valentine's Day, like no other. Here we are, Dave. What's going on over kicking out at two and your universe for? this lovely sexual day <laughs> well thank you very much for that very creepy uh transition over at the over in the land of kicking out it too um this retrosexual uh just dropped an episode uh counting down the greatest breakups in wrestling history i'm gonna go we, we went from 14 all the way to number one and i know 14 is a weird number but considering that valentine's day falls on the 14th of february every single year traditionally for those of you that are living under a rock um, I thought it was fitting that this countdown feature 14 of the, the the greatest betrayals in all of wrestling history. It's from tag team partnerships to manager and valet client combinations to alliances, brotherly bonds. I go down the list of all these betrayals and breakups in wrestling history. We saw mega powers explode. We saw barbershop windows smash festival of friendship severed and brotherly bonds broken in this countdown inspired by Valentine's day. So you can head on over to uh, facebook.com forward slash kicking out it to you can find the link to that show up on the Facebook page, as well as our Twitter handle. Our handle is at kicking out to K I C K N O U T and the number two, you can find that in so many other links to archive shows as well as soundcloud.com for all the archives to kicking out it too sounds a lot of fun and next week oh excuse me next week i forgot to mention i i I, you know as i like to to incorporate you know this week and next week into the the uh, the social media plugs if you will next week we're going to continue with the wrestlemania season theme and we're going to go back to 1997 trading places in your house final four it's where we take the results of each each match on those on those events and we 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 flip the results we trade places if you will a little role reversal and we go back and uh, try to realistically map out where those characters and their storyline progression would have taken them had they had won that particular match and we even talk about the losers as well so uh, a lot of fun uh, with within your house final four trading places that's coming up next week on kicking out it too now that i'm done uh blabbering all about what's going on in the land of koa2 
Kobe Kobolski, I should say. That's you, that you are the Kobolski. Why don't you tell everybody and tell the Patterson of the Pat of the Butt Pat? Why don't you tell us and tell me what is going on in the the, the retromania? Is it is it banana? Is it going? Is it like a big banana over there in the on the oh, mania it's, retro? It's a big peeled banana, ready to be cut, and dissected, <laughs> and listened to by the listeners. Yeah, um, over at Res- Retromania right now we have. Um, Gaijin Wrestling Radio that just dropped this week. It's uh, running down the New Beginning card that came out on Tuesday night. Um, and that'll also have the updated episode of Gaijin Wrestling Radio following on Wednesday, um, the updated card of New Japan. There was a lot to cover there. So two action-packed episodes covering all that's happening in New Japan. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of people are hating on. A lot of people are loving it. It's a good time to be a wrestling fan, regardless, because there's a lot to talk about. Um, and we also have Hulkamania's Dead. Jimmy and I will be back. It's WrestleMania season coming up, so we are going to have that special WrestleMania 7 episode dropping very soon. But we're kind of just, you know, leading you in. We're building you up to this big WrestleMania 7. So uh, hold your horses and stay tuned. At Retromania on Facebook, you can always join in the fun there. We post up uh, links and share stuff all the time, as well as on Twitter, at RetromaniaPod. And then you can always write to us at RetromaniaPodcast at gmail.com. And we like to get a lot of feedback and talk to you guys. This is an interactive podcast, as Dave and I have tried to uh, strive to do with Retromania. And that's what we're striving to do in the future, Dave, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the interaction will continue as we got a little bit of news to mm-hmm. announce. Um, would you like to do the honors I will, or would you I will like to do me? a trumpet sound and then you can do it? Okay. And following that trumpet sound, drum roll, please. <laughs> Debuting. WrestleMania weekend is the very interactive Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. That's right. Kobe and I not only has our kicking out at two and Retromania collaboration brought you marking out the days, but we are now going to we're going to enlarge this umbrella of pro wrestling history and knowledge that we have within our within our brains and we're going to give you the retromania pro wrestling podcast network and we're going to debut wrestlemania weekend that's right starting with a whole slew of shows from kicking out at two and marking out the days and all the backlog of my show kicking out at two as well as retromania gaijin radio you you might even get the uh, origins of attitude podcast that kobe and jimmy had produced a while back you're going to get all that stuff over on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Uh, I mean, talk about like a loaded lineup of stuff for WrestleMania mm-hmm. week. Uh, it begins Wednesday on Kicking Out at 2 as we're going to bring you WrestleMania weekend memories. I'm going to sit down and discuss some of my fondest memories going to multiple WrestleManias over the years from interactions with fans, fan access, Hall of Fame, WrestleMania, some crazy insane stories of things that myself and friends and family we've all encountered at WrestleMania and WrestleMania weekend. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And of course, Thursday, we're going to cover 
cover, um, you know, marking out the days on April the 4th, 2019. It's going to cover WrestleMania 9, a, a, a WrestleMania that's very controversial, one that's regarded as probably one of the worst WrestleManias ever. We're going to cover that and so much more that took place in the world of wrestling on April the 4th. And then Friday, April the 5th, before you get set to watch NXT TakeOver, Hit that download button and join Kobe and I as we're going to bring you a special edition of Marking Out the Days as we mark out over the top 10 WrestleManias of all time. Kobe's got a list. I got a list. We're going to compare and contrast, and then we're going to combine this list for the ultimate collaborative Marking Out the Days top 10 WrestleMania list of all time. Saturday morning. Be on the lookout. Gaijin Wrestling Radio. I'm going to be joining Kobe. My first time on Gaijin Radio now. I'm going to be joining Kobe as we're going to be reviewing NXT TakeOver New York from the previous night. Don't know what the card is right now, but I'm sure it's going to be a, 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 jam-packed, a jam-packed show. Excuse me. I can't wait to cover that with Kobe on Gaijin Wrestling Radio. Um, and then, of course, Sunday morning. Sunday morning, we're gonna before you get ready for WrestleMania. I know a lot of you guys are probably gonna be watching stuff on WWE Network, getting hyped up for old shows. You might be catching up on some things that took place over the weekend. Join us, another edition of Marking Out the Days, but this time we're gonna mark out over the previous evening's WWE Hall of Fame induction mm-hmm. ceremony. We're gonna talk about the 2019 class, give our reviews, some memories of those individuals that went into that class, and we might have a few WrestleMania predictions along the way. And as and and, and don't forget, there's more WrestleMania content for you guys at your fingertips throughout the month of March. And maybe even I might throw in some stuff WrestleMania weekend over on the Kicking Out at Two Thread. Um, maybe some watch-alongs of some old WrestleMania matches, some r- more WrestleMania-themed discussions. Just be on the lookout for all of that. Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at Two, at Kicking Out Two, K-I-C-K-N-O-U-T, and the number two, Kobe Tell us exactly where you can find the Retro Mania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. We're going to announce that actually in the coming week um, where where Retro Mania. No, 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 it's all good. But we're keeping (laughs) we're keeping the fans at bay right now. Um, We're going to launch everything. I'm getting everything set up. It's a lot of uh, MP3s and a lot of audio to go through from both you and I, but that's an, uh, an entire archive for our fans to listen to, like you said. And this is the database, the headquarters, the mothership of both of our shows for the future ongoing. Um, and we'll have a lot more c- collaborations going on. Like you said, uh, you're going to be joining me on Gaijin Wrestling Radio. I'll be joining you on your show more. Th- we'll have more bonus episodes, uh, just more creative stuff. And if anybody else has a a podcast idea that they want or that they feel that would connect with the Retromania family over here, you can write to us at retromaniapodcast at gmail.com or you can send Dave a message over at kicking out at two and uh, we'll get back to you and we can talk, you know, we can talk wrestling and talk turkey. We love the wrestling community. So that's what we're trying to do here with Retromania um, Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. And I uh, yeah, open door policy for guys out there that have a wrestling podcast that want to join the family and be a part of all the fun. It's not just the Dave and Kobe show. It's you know, it's it's everyone's. It's it's going to be everyone's network. We really want to make a a very fun, positive atmosphere. Um, I'll be honest with you, Kobe. Full disclosure. I know we didn't talk about this previously, but I don't want a podcast where guys are just going to bitch every week exactly. about what's going on weekly that's, on TV. That's what you know we what I mean? don't. I want do something fun. You know? We we make it. Yeah, fun. we don't do that. You know, I mean, 
we have fun and we poke fun sometimes, but we're not going to sit here every week and be like, oh my God, why did they do that? They need to fire the, they need to fire the writers. Like, no, we're we're not doing it. It's it's every week, every podcast. It's like, all right, let's bitch about what took place on Monday Night Raw. This show sucks. I'm never going to watch WWE again until next week when I have to do another podcast to bitch about (laughs) WWE. Yeah. Like that's the the point of our show is to look back at nostalgia with a little bit of cheer or, or glee in our eye rather than pain. Um, and we kind of like highlight the good stuff going on. Um, I know last week it was a lot on our episode, but, uh, you know, we're still testing the waters with how we want to structure this show. And that's how the flow goes here. Um, you know, w- we're cutting out a little bit more of the 2000 stuff cause it gets a little ridiculous and it's like, everybody's covered it. And what more do you need to know than what we'll tell you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of WWF and WCW stuff, you know, uh, in our schedule. And, you know, I mean, like I said, I've said this before, we will we'll we'll do our best to try and cover the the most important stuff. Um, If we feel it's necessary to be addressed, we will address it. If not, there's a reason why. And there's a reason why probably probably plenty of other podcasts out there don't address, especially WCW's content in the year 2000. There is some hidden gems and some stuff that had some potential that I'm I'm sure that we'll probably touch upon and down the line, but on. yeah, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's been some pretty decent stuff, but for the most part, you know, the Kiss Demon filing a police report because Norman <laughs> fucking Smiley stole his ring gear isn't exactly compelling podcasting to say the least. No, no, no. But uh, nonetheless, we have a whole lot of more content coming at you from Retromania and kicking out it to Dave and myself. And if you're willing to come aboard, please. Join us. Here's the little mint-shaped heart that says, Be Mine. And it has, on the reverse <laughs> side, it has both of our logos. Somehow we got those printed on there. Oh, yeah. boy. <laughs> oh, wow. wow you, really went, you really went deep with that one. Yeah. Man. Accept it. He yeah. went the deep, you know. He went deep right in the, right in the kicking out into a butthole. Yes, he did. You ready to get deeper on this episode? Oh, you, 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 you better believe it. They're gonna go banana over this episode. It's the Valentine oh, episode. Yeah. It's the it's the day of the Valentine. That's right, Kowalski. Right. Valentine's Day. Here we are. You want to do the birthdays for this day? Let's start out. Uh, you want me to start off, or do you, would you like to? Sure. Uh, are you yeah, asking yeah, me? Yeah. yeah sure. Or, or, okay. No, I yeah. just want to make sure. Um. Yeah, why don't we why don't we discuss a birthday of an individual who is um, who has worn many gimmick hats in the world of wrestling? Uh, the former 1995 King of the Ring. He was once a man on a mission. Then he became the world's uh, largest love. Ma- Actually, no, he was a, he was a, a a visceral member of the Ministry of mm. Darkness. And then after that, that 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 visceral hatred turned to love as the world's largest love machine. Viscera, yeah. Nelson, the late Nelson Frazier. It is his birthday today on Valentine's Day of all days. Mabel was not the third man. <laughs> okay. Mabel was not the third man. So we're not going to address the rumor and innuendo that Mabel was going to be the third guy with Hall and Nash at Bash at the Beach terrible. 1996. You ever heard that story no, before? That would have been terrible, though. 
yeah, Meltzer Meltzer reported that Mabel was the Mabel was going to be the third guy, um, and on Bischoff's podcast, uh, it, it's a big running joke, and they eventually ended up making a T-shirt that said Mabel was not the third guy, and the proceeds went to the proceeds go to uh, uh, the late Nelson Fraser's wife, oh, but um, Viscera Mabel King Mabel, whatever you want to call him, I mean, he was a memorable big man. Um, you know, he came and went from time to time. Uh, I could have done without the Viscera character, but, you know, I, I actually kind of dug what they were doing with him with Big Daddy V when he was managed by Matt yeah. Stryker towards the end of his career uh, when he went shirtless and he showed his big old man chocolate titties with all the tattoos mm-hmm. on. Um, kind of reminded me of a shirtless one-man gang. But, um, yeah, I mean, he was he was a memorable big man that, that did some pretty solid stuff in the history of wrestling and someone who definitely deserves a place in wrestling. And, unfortunately, he's no longer with us. But, yeah, um, you know, R.I.P. Nelson Frazier, a.k.a. Yeah, Viscera. happy birthday, 1972 from Memphis, Tennessee. I was a big fan as far as the uh, King Mabel stuff goes when he was a face with the uh, rap gimmick with the whoop. There it is. WCW and WWF fans like all did the whoop. There it is. Like they invented it. Um, And, you know, you know, (laughs) wrestling characters. Yeah, you're right. uh, PN News and uh, King Mabel. Oh, my God. They latched on to that very strongly. Um, You said PN News on this show. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I got PN News for you, Yo, baby, yo. Wow, man. Now we're going to have to find a day to cover oh, PN yeah. News and his yeah. illustrious career in the we'll world of there. professional we got wrestling. 356 days that we do here. So, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Big oh, Daddy boy. V, though, I, intimidating character as well when he was uh, the visceral, viscera. Um, and he makes an appearance on this episode that we'll cover later for the St. Valentine's Day Massacre episode and Sunday Night Heat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, next birthday. He is uh, he's another guy who wears many hats currently in the world of professional wrestling, Uh, an individual who has his own promotion. He's also one of the co-hosts of Busted Open Radio on Sirius XM. He's been involved in uh, numerous storylines in the last year or so with Impact Wrestling. And it looks like he will probably be a part of all elite wrestling at some point down the line. I'm referring to the innovator of violence. An ECW original, hardcore icon. He's got plenty of nicknames over the years. I'm talking about Tommy Dreamer. Happy birthday, Tommy yeah, Dreamer. 1971, Yonkers, New York. Happy birthday to Tommy Dreamer. Um, a guy that I really didn't know until the later days of like 1999 of watching ECW Hardcore TV because I didn't really catch that much. And the times that I saw him on WWF television when they did that feud with ECW briefly in 97, 96, it, it wasn't too much um, for, for to grab my attention. Um, but later, uh, you know, I grew a lot of respect for him. The stuff that he did with Christian was nice. Um, for that little ECW revival that they did in WCW. And uh, a couple, you know, looking back at it now, the stuff that he did with Raven was really cool. Um, what are your thoughts? I mean, he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a fan of the industry. He grew up being a fan. That's all he ever wanted to do. And sometimes those guys are the ones that are the most passionate and, and um, you know, uh, they're probably the most passionate performers out there are the true fans deep down. And 
he's had some memorable stuff. Um, I was kind of a little late to the party when it came to Tommy Jr., but I remember the first time I saw him was on a, was on that episode of Monday Night Raw in 97 from the Manhattan Center when they did that little ECW invasion. Mm-hmm. And he came out to the Allison Chains music, Man in the Box, and I was like, holy cow, he's cool. Like, And the music and the, st- the whole vibe and the way it was produced. I was like, I got to check yeah. him out. And, if, you know, of course, I would I, I wasn't a, a religious um, viewer of ECW because it came on, you know, late, you know, one, two o'clock in the morning, sometimes Friday on a Saturday or Friday night. Too. So, yeah. And so I wasn't, you know, as, as, as faithful of a follower, but I got the, a chance to watch a little bit of him, um, his stuff with Raven. I mean, the stuff with Raven is probably the best work he's ever done uh, from a, from a, a psychology oh, standpoint yeah. um, in, in his career. Uh, but a guy who's traveled all over, respected universally. Uh, like I said, he wears many hats um, in wrestling, you know, with House of Hardcore and, you know, Busted Open and his involvement with Impact Wrestling currently. Um, he's had a spot on the Edge and Christian oh, show on the WWE Network. On there. Uh, I love him on there. Yeah, I mean, and that's that stuff is awesome. It's I mean, that that's to me, like, not to go off on a tangent, but... Yeah, it is exactly. It is that's that that caters to the 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 smart mark insider, um, the history buffs of wrestling. You know, not the casual viewers that watch WWE currently. But um, yeah, so I mean, Dreamer, um, universally loved and respected by many. I had the privilege of interviewing him on during my time on the Ken Reedy show, that's which awesome. was a lot of fun. He, yeah, it was kind of cool because he. Um, He's a New York Giants fan, so he was watching the game while he was being interviewed by us on the phone, <laughs> and his kids were on the couch watching. So he was at one point. I think Ken asked him a question, and uh, and he he either didn't hear it or he was too busy watching the game and wasn't paying attention to the question. So um, he just he kind of updated us with the score, and I couldn't I didn't get a chance to watch the game, so I, I got the score through him while we were interviewing. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. Nice guy. <laughs> Um, super friendly and someone who's um, you know definitely brings a lot of good contributions to the wrestling business. Happy birthday, Tommy Dreamer! Happy birthday, agreed. And a cheap plug for Retromania: we did a bonus episode. Myself, Jimmy, and Sean Grukowski from Moho Radio. He joined us, uh, I think, last year around this time. Uh, yeah, probably last year around this time for episode eleven of our bonus series, where we covered a match between Tommy Dreamer and Raven. Very cool. Which match, by the way, did um, you guys do? It was do? a late 96 match, I believe. Um, yeah, okay. I, I'll I find it on retromania.blogspot.com or on our new gotcha. Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Um, yeah, we'll be dropping the feed soon. So, yeah, it'll be there. But it was Very a cool, cool little watch along that we had and, you know, talking nostalgia, ECW. Um, Sean was a fan of WCW hardcore until the end and uh yeah so he also watched ecw near the tail end as well so it was a good little nostalgia bit like we said we we'd run down the the good moments um yeah yeah yeah. totally so that's it for the birthdays and no really notable death days here right no, no, I don't. I mean, we, we, we talk about a fair amount of deaths on this show. 
Um, I, I, I think maybe it's uh, you know maybe this week we can pump the brakes considering it's Valentine's True. Day. True. You know, because because Pat Patterson don't want to talk about the debt. He wants to talk about the life. You know, with the cock and the balls and in the mouth oh and God. the things are like that. You know, with the with the we making it cry. You know, like a tear in your eye, like a Shawn Michael. You making me cry, but he make me cry with the happy oh tears. You know, and the, the and 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 the boy toy with his toy boy in my mouth and everything and the this and that and the, oh and a pair of pants. Thank you. Pat Patterson, ladies and gentlemen, and also Pat Patterson, <laughs> speaking of him, he makes an appearance as we start to run down this day, February 14th, on our history of the day. We're going to start with the oldest date to note uh, from the WWE Network. You can find All-Star Wrestling on there if you search All-Star Wrestling. It's February 14th, 1981. Vince McMahon and Pat Patterson on commentary there. And... Pat Patterson is like you said. He just he calls the Moon Dogs the Moon Dog, and he calls them the tag team champion. So, <laughs> yeah, his singulars and his pr- his plurals are, uh, are 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 a little off. Uh, there's a funny story about him where um, I don't know if you've ever heard this story before. Mick Foley told this story once on like a roundtable discussion on the WWE Network mm-hmm. where. Foley would call Pat Patterson for weeks on end about trying to get a tryout match um, in the WWF. And this was when he was training with Dominic mm-hmm. Danucci. Um, and he was training with Shane Douglas. Uh, and Shane Douglas played a prank and called Foley's house and spoke with Foley's dad as Pat Patterson. And Foley said to his father, um, are you sure that was Pat Patterson? And his dad was like, yeah, it was, it was you know, he's... He, told me he was Pat Patterson from the WWF. And he says, well, Dad, did he get his singulars and his plurals uh, mixed up because of the language barrier? And he says, yeah, as a matter of fact, he did. And Foley, for a long time, believed it was Pat Patterson that called the house. And then Douglas had to, you know, uh, fill him in later on that, no, that was me. I did that. Um, And Pat Patterson Patterson didn't know that happened until um, when Foley told the story on the roundtable on the WWE Network. (laughs) Sorry, no, sorry about that. that Let's continue. Awesome, Good stuff there. Um, Pat seems like a character as well, just like, you know, through the commentary of this old episode. It's not too much to see here, so I'm only going to run down a few couple things um, in case you want to watch it. Uh, Vince McMahon, as Lou Albano is out there with the Moondogs, he says, Lou Albano must be on something. What does that mean, Vince? <laughs> he, he must be on what? Like cocaine? You want to endorse that? Maybe wrestlers are on cocaine in the 80s? Maybe. Okay. Moving on in that episode, we get the appearance of the incredible Hulk Hogan. He's red-faced. He's stumbling over his words. Uh, He does an interview with Pat Patterson, and he goofs about looking in the mirror every morning. He goes, Hulk Hogan, hello, good morning. And he talks to himself in the morning every, every morning. That's weird. Um, yeah, and he he brings up <laughs> that uh, Andre is undefeated, and if him and Andre ever tussled one-on-one, that he would beat Andre. Hmm, interesting stuff, 1981, right? Yeah, this was, um, you know, pre-Hulkamania, obviously. Um, was this, And I believe, I want to say this was before they had that match at Shea Stadium, if, I'm not, so. if I'm not I mistaken. this is like a build-up to it. Um, so Ho- and Hogan was with Blassie, yes, correct? Yes, he was coming in as as Blassie's uh, number four in his stable with the Hangman, Killer Khan, and 
Stan Hansen. Yeah. Okay. So right. later cool. in the Very show, cool. we get Harry back Hulk Hogan. He didn't do the shaving back then, <laughs> and I'll bring that up later on this episode. He goes against Jim Duggan. And uh, Jim Duggan is wrestling him in this match, and he grabs his face, and you see Hogan clearly say, hands off the hair, brother. Um, and Jim Duggan let goes, lets go of his hair. So, uh, yeah, friendly stuff there. But uh, Vince is hyping up. He said, what a dream match it would be to see Andre the Giant collide with Hulk Hogan. And, yeah, what a dream match that would be in about six years, six or seven years, right? Uh, yeah, 1987, the, uh, of course, you know, you know WrestleMania three, the, the most famous match, um, of them all. But yeah, the, these two hooked it up way before that, um, before the big expansion, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this was, um, Vince senior was still running things. Correct. Mm-hmm. It, and so Vince jr. Hadn't bought him out yet, or maybe he was in the process of buying him out. I think this um, is around that time of the process, but you can see Vince's eyes on the prize as he, uh. He is like, he is uh, wooing over Hulk Hogan the entire time. Hulk Hogan hits a big boot. He doesn't go for a finish because he goes for the Hulk Hogan hammer, which is that axe bomber, huge clothesline. One, two, three, he beats Jim Duggan. That's about it for this episode. But incredible stuff to see Hogan as a heel in the early days. Um, a lot of people don't talk about that, but uh, it's just him like flushed and stumbling over his words he's still trying to get it all together he's not even yelling here you know yeah it's interesting you know i'll have to go back and, and and try and watch something like that like um with hogan as a heel i know that um before he came to the wwwf um he was um he had a good run in memphis with lawler as a heel um mm-hmm. and that's where he really got his 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 um his his heel chops in Memphis working with Lawler, and then eventually he would come to New York, and and uh, they paired him up with Blassie. But um, yeah, the the hairy backed Hulk Hogan that's a that's a, that's a, a a sight definitely to, uh, to to feast your eyes on if you if you guys want to go check it out on WWE Network. This is before there was uh, a Mach three from Gillette. Well, there was, <laughs> but they would only shave either their chest or their shoulders. It's like they didn't like look in the mirror. Or they didn't have Buff Bagwell's mom there to shave their back. Yeah, or sack. yeah, exactly. Yeah, Judy Bagwell wasn't there to shave his ball bag either. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it is Valentine's Day after all. I mean, come on, you know? Yeah. Um, moving on with the day, WCW, this episode from February 14th, 1987, the NWA edition of WCW. The only thing I'm going to run down here, Jim Crockett comes out, and they're in a feud, his uh, Midnight Express with Ron Garvin and his partner. Uh, shit, I'm sorry. His partner, Jim, Barry Jim Cornette? No, yeah. Jim you Cor- talking about Cornette or Crockett? Yeah, because you said Crockett. Um, did I say right? Jim Crockett? No. I think so. Not trying to, not trying to call you out. There I go, Sorry. asshole again. On Valentine's Day, of all, all days, I do this to you. That's so un- that's, that's, that's unfortunate for me as a partner to be doing that. No, I don't deserve any chocolate or flowers. No chocolate, no boy toy for me. No, no, no. It was Jim Cornette out, and he was calling Ron Garvin a transvestite. And this is on the <laughs> network still. And he's like, I don't like people like that running around in our society. And uh, he's going to prove that the Midnight Express are the real men. Yikes. And this was the episode that highlighted Dick Murdoch turning on Dusty and Nikita Koloff as they were uh, going against 
um, Nikolai Volkov, or not Nikolai Volkov, Nikita Koloff against Vladimir Koloff and the Big Red Machine. And then Did somebody say the dick? Who yeah. got the dick on the Valentine today? <laughs> uh, dick Murdoch goes on a rant here and he says, John Wade would turn over in his grave if, if he saw Dusty team with Nikita. So I guess this was a really huge deal at the time. Uh, with Nikita joining forces with Dusty after Nikita had been a heel and a Russian for so long. And unfortunately, that car accident with Magnum TA, they had to change around booking. So this is one of those interesting times where um, the story had to change on the fly. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the, the transvestite remarks still on the network. Um, the only reason why they get away with that is because um, when they put the disclaimer up, before the show airs, uh, you know that these are uh, these are actors, and their you know their their characters don't portray their their the things that are you know said. And the characters don't portray the, the the real human being, and this, that, and the other. Um, so that's probably the only reason why they can get away with something like that by by you know using the word transvestite um, on the WWE network. But back in '87, I would imagine that was like almost as bad as using a racial slur in some mm-hmm. regards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, they got away with it, and uh, yeah, they put that disclaimer up, like you said, uh, before stuff like that. So they usually catch it m- sometimes, you know, most of the time they do. Um, moving on with this episode of WCW, the Kansas City Jayhawks, w- which is a young Dutch Mantel and his partner who has a pepperoni pizza bandana. It's not a pepperoni pizza <laughs> bandana, it's actually a cheetah print, but it looks like pepperoni pizza, and I'm just like, dude. It fits him so so perfectly. So I took Did a picture. Did it make you hungry for pizza? Yeah, I took a picture and I will post that <laughs> on the uh, links and everything. But they're talking about the Jim Crockett Senior Cup, which is actually coming around again with ROH and NWA joining forces. Isn't that pretty cool? Yeah, that is pretty cool. I remember I watched that um, that NWA 70th anniversary show uh, back in uh, late last year when they had Cody and Magnus. Uh, Aldis yes. Magnus, that was his TNA. I think November name. Um, or December time. Yeah, it was some time time around there, and uh, that was when Shivani and Cornette called the main event, um, and they announced the Crockett Cup. And yeah, man, that's still you know, it, it, I think it's cool that they're bringing that back. You know, what's also interesting too is that um, you know the, the Crockett family are still in business in terms of promoting because um, they, it, I believe it's in North Carolina. I want to say. Uh, either North Carolina or South Carolina, one of the two states, um, they do a um, one of the minor league baseball teams in locally in, in one of those states. Um, they uh, they do like a like a, a Jim Crockett wrestling promotion night. And there was one one time last year, I want to say like the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Express, um, Nikita Koloff, Tommy Young. Uh, a few other guys that were mainstays, and I think Ron Garvin was a part of it as well. They would, they did like a, um, a meet and greet before like a minor league baseball game, and I believe that the Crockett family still promotes like sporting and entertainment events on a on a smaller scale, Ooh. if I'm not mistaken. It's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah so I yeah, mean, cool I, to hear about the Crockett Cup, and it's interesting to see who who else is going to be involved in it aside from like the ring of honor teams, especially in today's wrestling landscape. Yeah. There's a lot going on with AEW. Um, so we could see if they're involved as well as other wrestling promotions, uh, maybe impact wrestling, um, you know, Lucha underground, if they're still around, we'll see. 
So yeah, yeah a lot of interesting stuff. Cool. Uh, they bring up that the Crockett Cup is by invitation only. So we'll see if this same one is invitation only. Uh, <laughs> I can't see too many people turning it down, but yeah, okay. Exactly. Um, and then later we get an incredible promo from Dusty Rhodes on Dick Murdoch about their relationship. They were a tag team for seven years. Seven years, Daddy, I trusted you. And we took different routes. My road led me three times to the world championship. And yours, it took you to Japan. And then he says, I got the TV championship. And your road took you to Japan. It's like an insult, I guess, to Dick Murdoch. Um, and it's just interesting that Cody, his son, would go to Japan. And, yeah. Yeah. Just interesting it stuff there. It all comes back full circle. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just watching this episode, the hair on the back stuff, man, it was bothering me. Like I said, it's these guys were shaving their chest and shaving their shoulders. Go back and watch the main event match. Dick Murdoch, if you will. Just hair on the arms, the back, the chest, and then just none on his shoulders and biceps, just to show off those arms. But it looks He probably so got the bizarre. hair on the ball, too. Yeah, he probably got the hair on the ball. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Now I'm never going to let this Pat Patterson down. I just want you to know that this is going to be like a regular thing. Thank you. I hope you know that. Thank you. It'll bring light to these uh, little interesting tidbits that I have. Sorry. I will try OCD. not to kill it wrestling watcher yeah I, I will try not to kill it that's for sure but you know this 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 pat patterson bit is going to be a regular thing on on marking out the days you just keep me up pat you got it the kobe mania <laughs> um the next notable thing is ecw tv from 1995 episode 95 the only thing that i'm gonna say here is they did another creepy chris benoit thing where it's just him rubbing his hands over and over and over again with that cross-cut imposed, you know, side view of his face while he's running down his promo. And he's got a little black book in his jean pocket. It's, it's, it's weird. Just very creepy stuff there. Um, like, a, like an address book? Uh, no, like a I'm going to fucking kill people book. A list. <laughs> like a little black book. That Benoit guy, I don't know what to happen to him. He had the he had the problem. I don't know. I think it, he uh, the writing I think was he, on the wall. Yeah, I think he took the steroid a little too much, and uh, <laughs> you know the, the 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 lady she drive him crazy. But if she was if he was with the man, I don't think he would have killed himself. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, you're right. If Christian Benoit <laughs> just came out and you know he admitted that he was gay, everything would have been okay. <laughs> Him and that uh, had that that little guy with the the one that rubs his wrists when he come down to the ring the 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 Malenko yes, the Malenko the one like the video game yes the the, the yeah the, you know the little guy the one that didn't get over and we put the belt on him and we tried to make him into the Godfather 2.0 it didn't it didn't work you know but you know if if the two of them matched together they would yeah, that's it I got a great idea Vince we should have done this tag team we would have called them the Vanilla Midgets there's this one time on the dirt sheets I was reading and my partner he gave me the paper and he says look the big guy the diesel guy he said that they're the vanilla midgets so i say vince we should do a tag team 
they call them the vanilla midgets and they come down with an ice cream truck oh my god we can toss out the sprinkles and the hot fudge and the and cherry the and put, make a little ice cream sundae it's like Brett with the glasses except this time it's a, it's for it's for kids with the food and you know sugar and the kids love that stuff ah I better pace I love it love it I could definitely see Chris and uh, Dean getting into that one <laughs> <laughs> Later in this episode of ECW, I see Mikey, Mikey Whipwreck with a liquid blue shirt. That's one of those like tie-dye shirts with a, like a wizard and stuff like that. That you know that Brian Pillman used to wear, you know, type shirts. Oh yeah, one of those you can find at like the the the, the county fair that has uh, like the dude, like the no no no. I I looked on eBay. They're two hundred dollars. Two hundred dollars. Yeah, it's like For a vintage to... thing now. To wear like a t-shirt that's got a fucking werewolf on it with a moon in the background? Right, with all the, yeah, with all that stuff. That exact Mikey, Mikey Whipwreck shirt is on uh, eBay for $200. Vintage 1993 shirt. Yikes. Wow, but yeah, interesting. A 1995 episode, we get, we get Sandman against Cactus Jack. Uh, and they talk about this match here where Sandman cut... Sandman suffered a brain concussion, and they keep calling it a brain concussion. They, like, that's what they called it? Yeah. I have an interesting non-wrestling-related story Sandman to tell you Sandman has a brain you. concussion, and Sandman is smoking a cigarette, and he's going wild, and he calls Joey Styles, Todd Pettengale, and that's about all I have to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you, you want to hear something? Wow. Yeah. That's, that reminds me of... Um, Year, uh, a number of years ago, um, my wife, my stepson, myself, and my, one of my stepson's friends, we got in a car accident. Someone, okay. a drunk driver, rear-ended us. And, um, you know, we all went to go to the hospital, get looked at, checked out. And the kid that was with us, um, he had a, a, a nice big shiner over his eye. Um, other than that, he was, he, he according to his mother, he was fine. Mm-hmm. So um, when we were going through... Um, the legal proceedings with the insurance company regarding this issue, um, this kid's mother was very, uh, very uh, adamant about, you know, us wanting to settle right away. She was like looking for like a big cash out. You know what I mean? And um, she was starting to get frustrated with us because we wanted to go through the process the right way and go to physical therapy and do all that other stuff. But she was just looking to make a quick buck because she was a lazy bitch. Anyhow, she gets on the phone with my wife and she says, my son was traumatized too. He had an eye concussion. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, I heard this. And my wife had the phone on speaker, and I just like my eyes popped. My wife had to like mute the phone because she didn't want to laugh. And I was just like, I was like, honey, I gotta leave the fucking room because that's too much stupid for me to handle. So um, that's funny that they labeled that a brain a brain concussion because uh, because I know somebody that got an eye concussion. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah. that's crazy. And uh, yeah. if you um, if you think about it beforehand, it's a it's a it's a precussion. So yeah, yeah, a pre a precussion to a brain concussion, which then now becomes a regular concussion mm-hmm. in today's world. Yes, wow, the indeed. evolution of head trauma. <laughs> Only here on marking out the days. <laughs> All right, we would have had well, the CTE thing figured out a long time ago. If the NFL just fucking called us. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're like, all right, we don't we don't understand what parts concussed about their head. Yeah, and we don't know if it's the brain, the skull, the eye. Let's call that Rosenbluth guy. He, him, and that, him and the the the, the Frenchman, the gay Frenchman, they could figure it all out. 
<laughs> yeah. All right. You ready to do the highlighted part of this episode? What we're kind of yeah. here for? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. The the what we are here for is the Saint Valentine's Day massacre. Twenty years to the date here yeah. on February the fourteenth from yeah. Memphis, Tennessee, the pyramid in Memphis, Tennessee, only on pay per view. Right, but beforehand we have Sunday Night Heat, right? Yes, we do. Um, which I watched back uh, earlier this week, and. Uh, you know, a whole lot of nothing went to, went on on that show, but there's some interesting stuff, um, like some interesting notes that I took while I was watching it. For instance, the crowd was fucking red hot when Vince came out in the, mm-hmm. to open the show. To kind of Vince was coming out to basically tell Austin, you know, you have time. Like I'll give you till the end of the program, and we can call this off, so you're not humiliated and embarrassed. And uh, the crowd was just tearing him apart and tearing him apart. And then they shut they show to the back area where Austin's kind of watching on the monitor in his locker room while he's while he's chewing on some of that dip and that chewing tobacco, son of a bitch. And uh, he gets mad and he throws the monitor at the at the wall. And that was the end of that when it came to, uh, you know, uh, that segment. But uh, pretty much it was, you know, the, the, the scene was set. Vince and or Austin had till the end of the night to tell Vince that. I'm done. I'm not going to wrestle you in this cage match tonight. So that's what really started things. But what else I noticed a part of this show, especially early on in this segment, was Shane McMahon's commentary. Mm. He was not meant to be a color commentator whatsoever. He sounded like, and this is no disrespect to people who, who take medication for ADHD, but he sounded like he needed to take medication for ADHD because he was just... All over the place. Yeah, Vinnie Mac, wham, wham, boom, 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 yeah, yeah, the man, Vinnie Mac, yeah, pops, pops, pops. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my god, dude, like I'm getting <laughs> tired just listening to you. Like, yeah, Jesus. It was, but at the same time, I, I try to, in my fucked up brain, because I'm a pretty fucked up individual, um, I try to rationalize his there behavior was a there. Lot going on. Well, not only is there a lot going on, but he's. He, he came across as, like, so obnoxious and annoying and, like, the owner's yeah. son that, like, it kind of made sense in some ways that he was that obnoxious, you know? But mm-hmm. I think there was just too much of that on color commentary. True, true, true. Um, and then throughout the whole thing, we get uh, Mankind getting trained by Dominic DiNucci, Iron Sheik, and Bob Backlund. And some, oh, like, funny comedy segments. There's the one where Mick Foley is training with Dominic DiNucci and he grabs his arm and he's like, and then you can break his arm, break his arm like that. And Mick goes, and then, and then what? And he goes, and then you, uh, then you give him a drop kick to the face and you'll be the champion. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm already the champion. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Drop kick to the face and break the elbow. Drop kick to the face and break yeah. the elbow. What the That was fuck? his signature, the drop bastard. kick. Yeah. Yeah, the whole the whole time he was like, "Give Mickey, give him the drop kick, you know, yeah. right to the face, Mickey." And you'll be the and champion. Then, uh, and Mick sells it with comedy <laughs> glory. He pauses and he goes, "I'm already the champion," and just walks off. It That's is awesome. great comedy stuff there. It was funny. Yeah, that was some funny shit right and there. And then we get like the recall for that match that Mankind and The Rock had at halftime heat, which twenty years ago happened, and then twenty years ago this past weekend was the NXT halftime heat. 
Yeah, yeah, the NXT uh, during the Super Bowl. Um, did you watch it at all? Yes, I did. What did you think of it? It was fantastic uh, for what they could pack into that half hour. It was a good match. Um, it, you know, stood. It didn't get boring. You knew what was going to happen. It wasn't like, you know, a clear, like, it was just progressive storytelling for yeah. each of those characters, but uh, entertaining nonetheless. Yeah. What about you? I mean, I, I enjoyed the match itself. It was a lot of fun. It was action-packed, and it kind of gave you a little glimpse as to what NXT was about for those mm -hmm. that might be new to it. Um, I just found, I mean, it was an interesting atmosphere that they redid the inside of the Performance Center, and it was a lot of, like, guys that train at the Performance Center, um, talent, you know, friends and family of the talent, so to speak, that yes. were there. I had heard that they, like, did, like, a Super Bowl party, um, and they cool. had it catered um, for the guys there that were attending this and working on the Super Bowl, even though it's not really a national holiday. But um, what I thought would have, and this is, you know, me being a little nitpicky here, um, considering the manner that they had advertised this match and then like the the very out of control nature that they built this match up with following that NXT takeover in Phoenix I was kind of hoping it was going to be a six-man tag team empty arena match or at least an empty performance center match and they right. could use like seven or eight of those different rings and do all kinds of crazy stuff in there you know with yeah. no audience like that's what I was kind of hoping for considering that the way they built it up from the from that takeover was that all six guys were out of control and they had this big brawl when the show went off the air and behind the scenes and but at the same time it was still fun to watch um and yeah i had i had really no issues with it it was it was a good way to showcase and highlight what nxt is all about yeah um definitely interesting how things are cyclical as far as 20 years goes usually things become trendy again at least from yeah my everyone goes through a cycle of yeah. uh everyone goes through a cycle of uh you know what they used to like back in the day is cool again yeah and i then, know i have so and then in this episode uh mankind is still training with the old timers bob Backlund is running up and down the steps and he asks mankind to do it and mick foley says okay bob i'll do it but if i do will you leave me alone and then he does it, <laughs> and The Rock comes out and attacks him before their last man standing match tonight for the WWF Championship. And then we get the Raw Saturday Night recap with Vince coming out, and Shawn Michaels comes out because he's the commissioner at this time. He's the one that kind of set this match up, right? And he says, yep. for someone to listen, all you have to do is whisper. And there's nothing more that I'd rather do then whisper all day. Do you get that reference? Uh, I do not, and I was trying to figure that out. What exactly is His that? His wife was the oh, Nitro gotcha, Girl gotcha, Whisper. Gotcha, gotcha, And there's gotcha. nothing he'd rather do than whisper all oh, day. Wow. Yeah, okay. All right. Good. You know what? I didn't. My sick, twisted mind didn't even think of that. That's a problem. Man, I was like, I'm I was off like, my game today. Was, I thought she was cinnamon or something, but yeah, she was whisper. No, she was whisper, and man, she was... She was, she was something else. Yeah. She still is. She's gorgeous. She's, Nothing she's to a knockout. whisper about Jack. Yeah. Um, yeah, but interesting that he slid that in there. And Austin comes out. Vince McMahon spits in his face. And Austin says he's going to wipe it off with Vince's blood. And we go off Sunday Night Heat's hour-long buildup to the pay-per-view. And we're live for St. Valentine's Day Massacre. 
Yeah, it was that was that was basically the main focal point of the show, at least on Sunday Night Heat, to get you ready. You know, last minute sell on the on the pay per view itself, which I thought was pretty good. I just like I said, <clears throat> excuse me the the crowd was really hot and. I dug the, the the mankind skits, and you know we'll we'll talk about it as this as this review of Saint Valentine's Day Massacre goes on. But they were really selling the two main matches, or at yeah. least that was the focal point of this Sunday Night Heat. Um, you know, you had a couple of throwaway stuff like um, you know the 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 test and viscera match, which really amounted to nothing. You had Billy Gunn wrestling Tiger Ali Singh, which, uh, by the way, Billy Gunn in the pre-match interview said that, you know, he was going to go beat up the clerk from 7-Eleven. I don't think that's something that would really, uh, really sound uh, too well in today's uh, wrestling landscape. It doesn't age well for sure. Um, What I found interesting, too, was that he wrestled with the referee shirt on and the referee took a ref bump in the match and Billy didn't make the count himself because he was supposed to be a licensed official for the evening with the WWF. So it would have been kind of interesting if he made the count for his own pin. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that stuff's just, you know, and then then there was a Deborah and Ivory promo that sounded like two girls that couldn't even remember their lines. It was pretty awful. But... um, this Sunday night, he got you at least watching it when I was watching it. It got me interested to continue watching the St. Valentine's Day Massacre pay-per-view. And then we open with gold dust and blue meanie, or should I say blue dust? Yeah. Um, you know, this is 1999. It's Vince Russo. It was what it was. It was a comedy match. It wasn't supposed to set the world on fire, but I thought it was rather interesting that, um, you know, Blue Meanie's character was trying to imitate Goldust and really get under Goldust's skin. So yeah. um, I didn't really have any issues with it. It was a solid match, but it was it it, it, it didn't need to go any longer than it did. No. And I don't think it was necessarily the best way to open the pay-per-view. But at the same time, this was 1999 and it was like the Wild West in the Attitude Era. So it really you was. never knew what you were going to get. It really was, and this was a time when I was kind of more avid WCW fan. Um, Blue Dust misses a moonsault, but then he gets a final cut from Goldust, and then after, Shattered Dreams. And, uh, yeah, Goldust wins that feud there. I liked at the beginning of this pay-per-view how they opened up with that recap of the feud of Austin and Vince throughout this whole year basically it's been a year since the attitude has officially launched in uh wrestlemania of the prior year correct yeah yeah it was uh the the um the black and white with like the, i don't know what the name of that song was but it was uh, like crazy. a very um yeah yeah and then it like went to you know um it went from like very like uh you know upbeat valentine's day music to like you know this like really dark demented slow methodical music and it's like i'm gonna beat your ass up and down every side (laughs) of that damn cage and they recapped like every like interaction that they had had over the past year basically um which was really cool this was the culminating blow-off match quote unquote between the two that we would know of as of yet yeah, it w- yeah, it was the um, 
Yeah, like you said, it, it like highlighted just about every major moment between like the first time they got physical with like a stunner to the slap to the to the the, the zamboni, the cement truck, all the facial expressions. Bang three sixteen. I mean, it was a rolodex. It would basically highlighted every single memorable moment in that rivalry, which would lead us to the culmination of that at this show. I thought it was a very well done opening yes. um, video package and uh, very creative. Stick with the valentine's theme and you know just the timing of it too like you know saint valentine's day massacre and these two guys hate each other and it's going to be a massacre inside the cage like it just all the pieces fit together all the stars aligned uh for for where they placed the blow off for this match at this pay-per-view i thought it was really cool agreed agreed um second match on the card is that hardcore title match between bob holly and al oh my god this is so stupid um, it's a hardcore match between a guy named Bob and a guy named Al. <laughs> Bob smashes a tree branch over Al's back, and then that branch flies and hits the camera right, like, in the lens and probably oh, hits yeah, the camera. Oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Dude, that looked deadly. Um, we get a dub, dumb ending here with Bob Holly rapping Al snow in a fence that was obviously laid there by them one two four i put down on the notes that's how dumb this match was i put one two four instead of one two three on my notes <laughs> fuck this match. you know yeah. you know what honestly i i dug this match because of the physicality and i liked the hardcore stuff back in the in, during that time River. period and the spot in the water that that was like the that was the high spot for me. Like I popped big when they like when they like Al Snow back body dropped into the water. I was like, I was like, holy cow, that's cold. But that was pretty cool. Yeah, you know, that's what I popped for. I, um, I enjoyed it for the innovativeness of uh, for being innovative at that time. They planted like tree limbs for him to like crack against. That tire was there yeah. for him to take the bump on into the water. You know, it was yep. like very planned out. I'll give them the fence, kudos to that. Rolled him up in the fence for the finish. Yes, yes. Yeah. Very thought out, um, but just ridiculous. <laughs> just ridiculous stuff with the heart. Yeah, now, stuff. yeah, you look yeah. back now and it's like, my God. But at the same time, um, originally, uh, Road Dog was set to be the one to face Al Snow for the hardcore title because they had a series of hardcore matches on Raw that were, that were very entertaining. Yeah. Um, I remember they had one. On the January 4th, 1999 edition, 1999 edition of Raw in Lowell, Mass, or Worcester, Mass. It was Worcester, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was in Worcester, Mass, and they wrestled out in the snow. It was yep. snowing out, and uh, Road Dog beat him like on like a um, like a, a a crate, a wooden crate or something, like out in the parking lot. But it was like the snow was coming down. And so I was kind of looking forward to seeing Road Dog and Al Snow because they were having some fun matches. But if Road Dog, you know, unfortunately, Road Dog. Um, couldn't make this match because he was battling with some substance abuse issues and he had actually asked for the time off so they had to write him off tv um and do like a little injury yeah they didn't normally the company goes to guys and says you know you need to go get some help We'll, we'll, we'll help you out take some time off he actually went to them um and and uh you know, realized he had a problem, and so they they wrote him off. And next thing you know, they that's how they inserted um, uh, Bob Holly into the mix. And if Bob Holly didn't have the performance that he did, who knows if we would have saw Hardcore Holly? Because 
Bob Holly was, you know, floundering. He went from being Sparky Plug to Bob Spark Plug Holly yep. to um, Bombastic Bob of the, uh, the the New Midnight Express to Job Squad Bob Holly. I mean, he he ran the gamut of awful, um, meaningless characters, and this was the one that really I wouldn't say resonated with fans, but fans were fans were able to respect him more. Yeah. Um, after this victory, and if it weren't for Road Dog having a bow out, who knows if Hardcore Holly would have been a thing. Very true, very true, good point. Um, moving on, we have Bossman defeating Midian in a nothing match. Boring chance is what it gets, and boring chance is what it deserves. Side slam one, I two, think three. I. I think I took a shit during this match when I watched it 20 years ago, and I know I took a shit during this match when I watched it the other day. So in celebration of the Big Boss Man and Midian, with all due respect to the late great Big Boss Man, I celebrated my momentous dump from 20 years ago by taking another one during that match. Sharting out the days. Yeah, no, this was no shart either. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. This was, this was like Boss Man nightstick material right there. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, yeah, for real. Like my toilet did hard times. That's for sure. Um, Undertaker comes out and the Ministry take the Boss Man away, and this is leading up to that Undertaker Boss Man match that was so epic, right? Oh yeah, that that piece of shit at WrestleMania 15, which we're probably going to cover on a future edition of of uh, marking out the days. Yeah. yeah oh we'll god, I can't wait to discuss that riveting moment in WrestleMania history when uh, when 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 uh, you know Undertaker hung the Boss Man in the middle of the fucking ring. Oh my god. Good stuff. Um, yeah. Guitar- Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next um, next match is Jeff Jarrett and Owen Hart defending their tag team championships against D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry. And like you said, Ivory was talking about if Deborah gets involved, she's going to rip off every inch of her clothing. Guess what? Deborah does kind of get involved. We get a guitar to the knee from Jarrett to Henry. One, two, three. Ivory starts to rip off Deborah's uh, blazer and she gets... They get separated, and she gets covered up by the tag team champions who retain, and they gun it out of there. Not too much to see here, right? Yeah, it wasn't anything really, you know, to write home about. Um, I mean, I don't know. This time, when it came to the tag team division in WWF, it wasn't anything special. Um, I liked D'Lo, but I liked him in a singles role. Um, I felt like he was good mid-card, intercontinental championship type material. Um, I was, you know, really pulling for, you know, Owen Hart to have a meaningful role. I was kind of hoping he was going to go back to being like that Blackheart. I didn't really care for him with Jeff Jarrett as a tag team, even though they were a solid team. I just I for some reason in my mind, I had it set and, and I was content that, you know, Owen Hart could have been a, a, a strong singles competitor at that time in 1999. But, um, yeah, it was OK. It was really nothing special um, yeah. between two teams that really I mean, the, 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 it was more about the girls than mm-hmm. it was about the two teams going after the titles. Right. You know what I mean? So uh, nothing special here. Yeah. Um, then moving on, we have Val Venus. The champion, well, he was the Intercontinental Champion, going against Ken Shamrock. Val Venus wins this match with Billy Gunn being the referee, messing around during the match, doing slow counts, and then Ryan Shamrock comes down. She turns on 
Ken Shamrock. This is stupid stuff here. Valbenus. Shamrock told her to slap her, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can even hear it in the network on the audio. He's like, slap me. And then she smacks the shit out of him, and then that's where the finish comes in. Yep. And he goes, yeah. blood's thicker than water. Like, yeah. Uh, Val, Val <laughs> has his sister and his Intercontinental Championship. Okay, next match. Actually, can I can I can I comment here? I don't know if you noticed this, but you you kind of alluded to it a little bit. Um, yeah, Billy Gunn was kind of uh, you know uh, doing those obnoxious slow counts. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was a little too much. Yeah. Um, like way too much. Like first of all, like he came out in like the little short biker shorts, like Shawn Michaels used to do. <laughs> yeah, okay. like. I was like, all right, you know what? I get it. You you love yourself, but you know, not all of us males love you in that little speedo gimmick. Um, but anyhow, um, I felt like the fat, the slow counts were really obnoxious. Like, um, like he did it for both guys. He was obviously very impartial in that sense, but um, just for his character, I just thought like, well, you know, why can't you just call it down the middle and build towards, um, you know. The, the screw job as opposed to like basically letting us know the whole match that you're going to screw someone if someone pisses you off, you know, by doing those like obnoxious slow counts. And then it was even to the point where I was questioning some of the slow counts was where I was like, is he doing the slow count because he's, you know, being obnoxious as the special referee because he doesn't like both guys? Or is this his regular, normal, impartial, unbiased referee count? Because I was like, there's a few of those in there. I was like, he could have counted a little bit faster, you know? But it was just, I don't know. Like, I didn't really... And then at the end, like, he he helped Shamrock win, but then he beat up Val and and post-match. And, you know, it was kind of known that, like, he wanted to be the Intercontinental Champion, too. So, I don't know. I just didn't – I didn't really care for him as the referee. I I honestly didn't. It was uh, messy booking here. Yeah, the whole thing, you know, was just kind of rather sloppy at best. Agreed. Um, Moving on a little bit more. Sloppy stuff with storytelling of tag teams and people turning in sides or whose side you're on. It's X-Pac and Triple H going against China and Kane. X-Pac hits a Bronco Buster to China in the match. Then Shane McMahon gets involved, hits X-Pac from behind. Triple H hits a big patented knee on China and goes for the pedigree, but Kane comes in, choke slams him, lays China over Triple H. She gets a victory over Triple H. They do as a team over DX. Yeah. Um. What did you think of the match? Mm-hmm. I want to get your I want to get your take first. It was decent. What did you think of it? it was decent. Um, they they were trying to give China a lot. But uh, mm-hmm. you can tell it was hard to keep up um, at certain points. But they did get a lot of heat with the Shane and Xbox stuff, which would eventually, you know, you know, they were feuding at this time, would get to greater lengths. Um, and then stuff with Triple H. And China is a little interesting, but wouldn't he eventually go corporate? Or, or Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll discuss that when we when we talk about WrestleMania 15. Yeah. Um, in in a few weeks, or probably in the, within the next month or so. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. Um, I'll be honest with you. Um, back then, 
it was a little more accepted with the intergender kind of wrestling mm-hmm. um, back in 1999. Like I said, the attitude was the Wild West. I don't remember what I felt about it back then, but now um, we saw recently at the Royal Rumble, uh, Nia Jax kind of had a little intergender uh, intermingling with like Randy Orton and Rey Mysterio in the in the men's Royal Rumble match, yep. and it got a positive response. Uh, just recently, it was announced that they were going to do a intergender you know, special attraction match between her and Dean Ambrose at a house show in I believe in Arkansas yes. or Alabama somewhere. And then I just read some. It. And then I just I just read it in the dirt sheets the other day that now apparently the rumor is that the match is off because. One of WWE's major sponsors went to them and said, we can't work with someone who's going to promote intergender wrestling. Um, So that match is off the table, allegedly, Um, which I was kind of looking forward to seeing how WWE is going to kind of produce intergender wrestling and still stay within the framework of their PG standards. Yeah. Um, But um, I wouldn't be surprised if it makes a comeback at some point or if this story doesn't, you know, has no merit to it whatsoever. But... um, after listening to the review of this show on something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard, Bruce brought up a good point regarding this match. He didn't really care for the match. And now I listened to the review of this before I watched this match. Okay. And just so I can kind of understand where he was coming from here. But in his review of this match, he said he didn't really care for it because, um, You know, he grew up in a different time period and he didn't think that mixing the males and the females was something that could be accepted with the wrestling audience because he he came from a different era and he didn't want it to sound, you know, people, you know, he didn't want to sound like he was a male chauvinist by any means and that like the women didn't deserve to be, you know, spotlighted in the same manner as the men. But he grew up in a different time frame in a different era with wrestling and being in the business for so long that he felt like it, they gave China too much. It was, it was like, it was too hokey. Yeah. Or no, I'm sorry. It wasn't. I'm sorry. It wasn't hokey enough. It wasn't gimmicky enough. Where because they gave her too much. Whereas they tried to make her look like a more serious, credible threat to the guys, and it just didn't come off very well. Mm. Um, at least that was his take on it. And when I went back and watched it after listening to it, there were certain points in that match where I was like, I was like, wow, Triple H has really given her a lot, which was great. You know, at the time they were dating. That was his girl. So yeah. why wouldn't he? You know, but. Looking back, there were a few times where she like struck him, and you know she she had him in the corner a few times, kicking him, and I, I want to say she might have even slammed him at one point, and I was like, I was like, wow, like Bruce really is right in the sense that like this should have been more, this should have been this shouldn't have been taken as seriously as it was, you know what I mean? Like they should have built towards the moments where she got the advantage over the males, and not have it be so evenly matched. If you know what I mean. Yes. But he was trying to explain that in a way that wouldn't come across like he was a male chauvinist and that he was sexist towards no, agreed, women. You get a kick from X-Pac or a punch in the face from Triple H. You're a woman. You, despite being China or plastic surgery, you're going to feel it. Yeah. yeah. And so he felt like and after watching it, I was like I, I was in agreement that like. It was just one of those situations where they tried to make her, they, they tried to put her on the same playing field as 
the men in the match and almost act like she wasn't even a woman in the match. You know what I mean? Like she was just another person tagging with Kane. Um, and he felt like if you were going to go that route with the women, it should have been something where like the spots that she had taken advantage of over the men, they should have been built up to and made almost, almost her spots were featured like special attractions in the match, you know, where she didn't have as much offense in, but when she did, it mattered and it counted. That's my whole point. Yeah. So that's why I kind of feel like in the same regards too, is that like maybe she shouldn't have been displayed as someone evenly matched with a Triple H and an X-Pac, but when she did get in the ring and what she did would matter. It would be limited, but it would matter. And then maybe slowly try to pique the audience's interest on China as a solo performer and a solo act working with the guys instead of just rushing and throwing her in there with the men and being like, okay, she's one of the guys, you know? Yeah. Oh, great. Great. So that's um, where I stand with that match. Um, so moving on with this card, we get the WWF championship match, the last man standing. Mankind defending his title against The Rock. They both hit each other in the head with steel chairs and they're down at the same time. And it's a no contest because they both cannot reach their feet before the 10 count. And they get the stretchers out and they carry them out. And the fans do not like this. And I was not into this as a kid either. Um, this just seemed like a holding pattern for me. Like I was getting more, you know, uh, social, uh, I was getting a little more conscious and intellectual as a viewer watching wrestling. Mm -hmm. So I was like, mm, okay, I see what you're doing. We're waiting for this okay. Austin stuff to go on. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as a kid, I remember not being as upset as the people in the audience watching that match, but um, I liked the match. They always brought it with the physicality. Yeah. They had had, you know, previous great matches with the halftime heat match, the I quit match, the Royal Rumble, like we discussed. They had two pay-per-view matches prior to that, the match in Worcester when Mankind won the title, the night of the finger poke of doom. So they had, a, they had a, you know, you know, five or six matches before we got yeah, to this point. Yeah, and so... And they all told great different stories, um, and, and, and they felt fresh. This match felt fresh as well. Um, I remember as a kid, I thought, and I was with my friend watching this, and I thought, well, Rock's got to beat Rock's got to beat Mankind because they're going to do Stone Cold and The Rock. I read it on the internet, and <laughs> and that's what the you know that's what it looks like they're leading to. You know, Stone Cold hasn't really gotten his revenge on The Rock. You know, he's gonna he, he's gonna beat Vince, and Rock's gonna beat Mankind. And they're gonna go to WrestleMania, and I remember as a kid. Um, I was a little bit disappointed that The Rock didn't win the match because I was a big Rock guy. However, I felt, well, they're going to have to do something tomorrow night on Raw to, to, to get us a, a clear-cut winner to go into WrestleMania because, you know, they're not going to do Stone Cold Mankind. That's, you know, that, that's silly. Yeah, I didn't so, like that thought either. As, as, as a kid, as a teenager, I was 15, 16, I was 16 years old at the time. I just thought... Um, a little disappointed, but the prospects of seeing how they were going to conclude this had me intrigued going into Raw the next night. Um, looking back on it now, at 36 years old, 20 years later, um, 
The finish made all the sense in the world because the guys had traded wins back and forth with each other in very physical, hardcore, no-holds-barred, brawling-type matches. It was bound to get to a point where the two of them, neither of them could beat each other because they had destroyed each other at every chance they got. So it was a nice little twist and just extended the story. Um, even though the fans didn't like the fuck finish, it was, it, to me, in 2019, it made sense. And I didn't really have an issue with it now. I had a slight issue with it when I was a kid, but I wasn't up in arms like the people in Memphis were when the finish went down. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have a problem with it now. As a kid, though, I did. Um, and that's why I probably wasn't watching the product as much. Um, I was kind of like, like I told you, I was a big Bret Hart guy, so I was interested in what was going on WCW at this time, more or less. And the Austin McMahon story had gotten kind of stale to me. I was waiting for the next big thing for the Attitude Era to pop off with. And uh, this was kind of like trailing with that McMahon and Austin storyline and the Mankind and Rock matches. I had seen those a lot as a kid, and I didn't appreciate them as much as I do now. Um, I definitely mm -hmm. appreciate them now and the finish and all the work that they put into this. I don't know that this is one of the better matches that they had. Um, no, no, I would agree with you there. Yeah. So I, 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 I just think um, it. this was different at the time because even as a fan, like I didn't watch this pay-per-view live. Um, I, I watched the cassette after it was released like a month or two later. Um, mm -hmm. So I watched it on, de on delay. So it wasn't really like that big of a deal for me because the yeah. weekly product was so hot at the time. You could just follow that. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so the main event here. Stone Cold Steve Austin defeats, Mr. Mc... defeats Mr. McMahon in a steel cage match as Paul White pops up through the ring, rips open the ring, throws Austin into the cage, and Austin wins the match, and he's got a number one contender shot. Main event spot at WrestleMania 15. There's a lot of backstory um, here. It was a good match. Yeah. Vince McMahon did a hell of a job taking bumps, just selling, blading, uh, the facial expressions. Steve Austin beats the hell out of him here. Just the crowd is insane this entire match. Yeah, um, they were really, they were red hot. Um, and like you said, a lot of backstory. We've kind of discussed it briefly. Everything that took place from, uh, you know, early 1998 went before Austin. You can even go back to the first stunner in Madison Square Garden in September of 97 when Austin, you know, stunned McMahon when before Vince was revealed to be the owner and he was mm -hmm. just the, the, the commentator. Um, that's where, you know, things really started with the two of them. Um, you know all the all the monumental moments in their rivalry that led up to this. It was a very highly anticipated match. I remember as bloodthirsty as I was as a wrestling fan as a kid, uh, I wasn't too impressed with the match mm -hmm. because um, they didn't spend a lot of time in the cage. No. Um, and in 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 2019, 20 years later, you know, hindsight being 2020. Um, that's okay as a, as a fan because, you know, Austin, Austin reveled, you know, at the, the, the idea of getting his hands on Vince in any way he could. Um, and, you know, beating him up, 
from pillar to post, whether it was outside the cage, inside the cage, um, that bump he took off the top of the cage onto the table, which, by the way, Pritchard uh, on the recent uh, podcast uh, reveals that Vince practiced that bump like two and three times to make sure the table collapsed properly. And it collapsed without a problem. But the night of the pay-per-view, when he took that bump off the top of the cage and there was that like slight hesitation, they thought Vince was paralyzed. Um, Like that's how serious it was because he had practiced it so many times. Um, But uh, the, the, the overall psychology of the match basically was that, you know, Vince was going to take a lick and until his plan B came into place. um, And Austin was, you know, reveling in the fact that he gets the chance to beat up his boss, you know, the match he's always wanted to get him the title shot that he always wanted as well and to be the WWF champion. So the psychology now, as I'm older, it made sense. It was great and it was fun to watch, you know. He's like, that's bullshit. Uh, he, ain't, he ain't losing that easy. I'm going to beat his ass again. If he's breathing, I'm going to beat his ass again. Um <laughs> It was, you know, it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, the, the the big show spot um, was was cool in 1999, but looking back at it now, um, what a dummy! <laughs> Vince instructed him to throw him through the cage, and then Austin landed both feet on the floor outside of the cage. Like, what a dummy! What a moron! Um, there's a there's an interesting story behind that. Um, first of all, Big Show spent the whole pay-per-view underneath the ring oh my god um to prepare for that they didn't do one of those things where they dim the lights like during undertaker's spot in the, in the on the show and he sneaks in he went under the ring before the doors opened and he had um uh, uh like a box lunch he had an air mattress a monitor um to watch the show and a headset so they can give him the cue when it's time for him to go a and a few gatorade in? bottles i'm sorry a bucket to piss in they gave him, according to Pritchard on the on the latest pod, he said that they gave him a few Gatorade bottles, wow. and he went through a lot oh <laughs> in a in a, in a two and a half hour time period between eating, drinking, and and lounging under the ring. Um, they found uh, uh, plenty of uh, full Gatorade bottles, and it wasn't full of Gatorade, if you know what I mean. Oh my God. So I can only imagine a seven foot man, over five hundred pounds, trying to take a leak into a little Gatorade bottle. Um, underneath a ring while there's guys bouncing around. Um, I, I bet you my boy uh, Pat Patterson would love to see the, the, the show big with his big ding-dong and put it in the Gatorade bottle and he make the lemon-lime flavor when, underneath when the he's ring. When crouched in like three-foot f- compartment area. Yeah, he's, they make a little treehouse fort for the show big, and you know they put him under the ring, and 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 they they bounce it around, and then he you know they they spill the piss all over, and it's like <laughs> oh my god, what the heck? And now he smelled like the urine, and it's, it's yeah, that better be. Yeah, but, uh, but wasn't uh, he not supposed? He wasn't supposed to do that, right? Throw Austin what? through the cage, correct? No, that was the, that was the planned spot. Okay, um, they gimmick the, they gimmick the cage that way. That was the planned spot um, from from my, uh, my my research, listening to the recent Pritchard show. Uh, it's funny that um, they went through that spot and they they debuted him in that manner because Pritchard had said that he suggested. You know, there were different ways they wanted to bring him in, um, and there were ideas that were thrown out there. But one of the ideas that Pritchard had suggested was they don't bring him in, into this match at all. They don't even have him debut till the night after WrestleMania, and you have him lay out Austin, and you have a ready-made feud for Austin and Big Show. And he felt like 
debuting him too early in that in that manner in such a crowded field of talent heading into WrestleMania a month before was a detriment to Big Show and possibly one of the reasons why the early part of his run in the WWF wasn't as successful. You know, he came over from being, um, you know, a, a major force within WCW as the giant. And I felt like and, and, and Pritchard, you know, kind of alluded to it that like, you know, he 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 was in many ways, I wouldn't say forgotten about, but treated like just one of the guys after a few weeks of being a part of the show, you know, like he wasn't seen as like something special and something new and fresh, you know, because he was so quickly inserted into that storyline with McMahon and the corporation. Um, so, yeah, that was, uh, you know, that was what, you know, I'd listened to on Pritchard. But overall, watching it back, it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that I got a chance to watch it to prepare for this week's show because uh, it brought back some 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 fun memories of watching it as at 16 years old. Agreed. Agreed. I had a good time, too. Um, it was one of those, um, like I said, I didn't watch until later. It was released on VHS, but I had fun with it, um, especially the last two matches. Yeah, the last, I mean, if you think about it, this match was a two-match show. You know, everything else wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. And then Rock and Mankind and Austin and Vince were the two matches that really, uh, you know, stood out as far as this show goes. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, so moving on with the day. Um, anything from the Nitro or the WWF from the year 2000 for February 14th? Nah, man, nothing for me. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even make time to watch. I make time to watch Raw. I I tried watching a little bit of Nitro, but it's the same old, same old that it's been the last few weeks. Jeff Jarrett in the NWO trying to go after Sid's belt. A whole lot of stupidness well, Hulk on Hogan there. Did make an appearance against Ric Flair in that epic yeah. match that they had. Okay, right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Hulk Hogan came back in red and yellow. Um, that was the big. Thing here for him returning yeah. with a match against Ric Flair on Nitro that lasted about eight minutes and then DQ finish with Lex Luger coming out. Just, yeah, that was about it. Yeah. Nothing, nothing to write home about there. And Raw didn't really have anything memorable for this Valentine's Day episode, at least in my opinion. So I didn't even bother watching. But if you guys would like, you can head over to WWE Network and you can check out both WWF Raw and WCW Nitro from February 14th, the year 2000, to find out for yourselves that it was just as boring as we say it was. And that's why we're not covering it on this show. Thank you. You're welcome. Agreed. Agreed. So the only thing that we did miss from today, I just do want to bring up. That match between oh, yeah. Chris Benoit and The Rock took place on WWF Monday Night Raw in the year 2000, uh, where Chris okay. Benoit actually got the pin over Rock. And this was building oh, him wow. up to that match against The Rock coming up soon, right? Where uh, this was... Um, well, it was a few months before that main event match that they okay. had it fully loaded yes. in July that year. But this was like... I think this was the... Um, this was kind of like building the, uh, the, the seeds of... Uh, 
it was it was building up towards you know Rock's individual match with Big Show and Triple H and the Radicals kind of having this alliance and they were trying to get revenge on the Rock for helping Cactus Jack from the week before so they threw him against Benoit and they just kind of this was that situation where WWF was just testing Benoit out with everyone because they looked at Benoit as the gold mine out of that four um, from the jump from WCW so they threw him in there with Rock and you know now that you brought that up I remember that match watching that as a kid was and it a wasn't actually that bad yeah, yeah and and then they would have that match it fully loaded later that year for the championship but um yeah this was like heading toward we're still a few weeks away from no way out 2000 Mm -hmm. so um there was uh you know still a lot of other stuff going on between triple h cactus the radicals rock and big show came in x-pac so you had all kinds of craziness going on over there but um yeah rock and benoit it's funny you brought that up yeah good one from there um well i guess uh that's about it for this episode correct Yes, that would be it for this episode. But next week, next week we have a fun episode because we're gonna kind of uh, we're gonna deviate from from the from the the, the WWF uh, talk because we had a lot of heavy WWF talk today. And uh, well, first of all, we're gonna celebrate a birthday, the late Bertha Fay. Um, former WWF Women's Champion will be celebrating a birthday on February the 21st. And we're also going to cover two WCW pay-per-view events, both Super Brawl 3 and Super Brawl 9. Super Brawl 3 highlighted by Ric Flair's return to WCW in 1993. It was also the night that Sting and Vader wrestled in a White Castle of Fear strap match for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of interesting hidden gems on that show that I just started watching um, earlier today to prepare for next week's show to do some research so um i i think you should check that one out cope that's gonna be i think that's gonna be a lot of fun to talk about and then we're gonna cover super brawl 9 which took place on february 21st 1999 which was headlined by hulk hogan defending the wcw world heavyweight championship against wcw president rick flair would also be the same event that ray mysterio would unmask Mm -hmm. um and reveal his pretty little baby face to the whole world uh scott steiner and ddp booker t and disco inferno the finals of the wcw tag team title tournament goldberg and bam bam bigelow and so much more from wcw super brawl nine and uh yeah, that's that. That's what we got going on next week. That's awesome. As far as I know, it's awesome. Yeah. So next week we will have all that fun stuff that you just listed down. I uh, can't wait to cover all that stuff. We will be watching those super brawls, and uh, tonight I want you to take off your super bra so we can have a super bra. <laughs> Oh, man, I'm so good at this. Oh, wait a minute, the Kobe. I don't know about that. Uh, you you might have to buy me a drink and a couple of cigarettes first before you have me take off the bras because, you know, I'm not going to show my 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 my, my titersons anytime soon for you, if you, yeah. if you know what I mean. I only show it for the Shawn Michael and the Ultimate Warrior and, and maybe the Brooklyn Brawler because I hear he liked a little pat on the butt with the dirty jeans. But, uh, yeah, this has been an entertaining and a fun day doing the marking of the days with you, the Kobe Mania, the the the, the, the Kobe Nida Maestro, the the Retro Mania Kobe, the 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 Kobe Bobowski, and you know it's been it's been a pleasure as the Pat of Patterson to co-host this with you and the Rosenbluth David. Yes, uh, uh, Pat, I I forgot my wallet. I gotta go to the bathroom. I'll meet you in there. Oh. All right, Dave. Well, uh, we will catch everybody next week. As always, you can find Retromania on Facebook, searching Retromania with a W. You can find us on Twitter 
at RetromaniaPod, or you can write to us at RetromaniaPodcast at gmail.com. You can find Dave and Kicking Out at Two over at Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at Two. Twitter, our handle is at Kicking Out Two, K I C K N O U T, and the number two. We have Greatest Breakups Countdown in Wrestling History over at the Facebook and Twitter links. You can hit the the, the, the show link over there and listen to that latest episode. Then next week we cover In Your House Final Four Trading Places style where we play role reversal and trade places with the results of each and every match from that event and how those characters would have mapped out in those storylines. Love that card, by the way. That's one of uh, my favorites, the main event. It's just all out mayhem. Final four. The final four match, yeah. That was that was that was pretty fun. I, I went back and watched it earlier this week to prepare for for uh, next week's show and uh it was a lot of fun to uh to, to go back and watch that match. A unique concept with the pinfall submission or the over the top rope um kind of scenario. I liked it. I thought it was cool. Me too. The crowd was red hot for it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. What a time. Uh we covered that on the origin of attitude as well. You can find that on Retromania as always. So check back with you guys next week on marking out the days we'll be back uh thanks again for listening everybody